In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions, but think on me in your goodness, O Lord, according to your steadfast love. Psalm 25, 7. For me, this is about bearing grudges. The psalmist is asking God not to treat him based on his behavior when he knew no better or when he was young and flighty. When I look back on my immature days, when I thought I knew it all, I cringe with embarrassment and yet I was so earnest. I was forging a new life for myself and it hardly ever included those who'd been my mentors as a child and teenager. In hindsight, I must have hurt those family members who had strong relationships with me when I needed them and I no longer needed them. I I no longer felt a need for them, but did they still need me? Now it's too late to ask them not to remember the transgressions, even though they were unintentional of my youth. But I can turn to God and know he'll be there for me and doesn't bear me any malice as long as I strive to follow in his ways and offer up a clean heart. He loves us unconditionally as we parents love our children. We understand that through their growing up, they blunder and thrash around like bulls in china shops. But in the end, they'll settle down and draw upon the foundations we laid together when they were young. The foundations of a trusting, forgiving love that peers at them through rose-colored glasses. My children know they can come to me as adults now. Their childhood blunders forgotten. As parents, we're earthly models for the love God has for us. Good morning and good afternoon. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler. I'm your host, Vivian McNinney. Happy new month and happy birthday tomorrow to my zookeeper son. My guest today is Mike Donnelly, a frequent visitor to my show. We're going to be talking about government interference in the homeschool and why we should take note, even if it's not directly affecting America. I'll be exerting from the penultimate chapter of my book, bringing you up to date on my youngest daughter's observations, exploring an L.A. cemetery, relaying an experience with shoulder surgery, NHS style, tweeting, bird watching, and basking in homeschool kudos. Cups of tea are in order today as it's a bit cool and misty, and I'm ready for spring. Relax for an hour and let me help you bridge the gap across the Atlantic with a host of golden daffodils. March is with us, and close on its heels will come the changing of the clocks and the lengthening of the days. I already have several more hours of daylight than last month, and my afternoon walks are getting a little bit later into the early evenings, and tax season is just around the corner. How fun doing that from England, though not so bad with computers, still a daunting task. 
With this time of year comes Lent, and although it is penitential time in the church season, I never have feelings of it ever having marred my spring. Malia had a fine time of it at school, trying to explain what it was she was doing, giving up this and giving up that and adding church. Her co-students are so ignorant, she says, about all things, not only spiritual but in general. In fact, anything that doesn't affect their immediate lives or appear on Facebook or television is part Part of the unknown to them. My daughter can't talk to them about topics less superficial than how cute one of their choreographers is or which club they're going to that weekend. She said she made a comment about learned behavior when they were doing going over and over a dance move. I feel like Pavlov's dog, she said. Whose dog, she was asked? Or when describing her brother's penchant for wearing his snakes around his neck Cleopatra style. Whose Cleopatra style? Some of them think Iraq is part of America. One girl I spoke to didn't even know which major city her hometown's near. And we're not talking about toddlers. On Wednesday, February the 29th, Malia was asked, Do you have leap year in America? That really cracked me up. Malia says, my ballet teacher in Dallas was right. I'm too clever to be a dancer. Anyway, she was explaining Ash Wednesday and got permission to be late that morning because she had to go to mass. And one of her friends said, oh, I'm not Jewish, so I don't do Lent. Completely and utterly missing the point in her ignorance. On her evening Skype to me, she thanked me for teaching her so much. I love those words. My filmmaker son also said he was lucky to have been taught at home because he feels he knows so much. He was in L.A. last week and on planning a visit to Forest Lawn Memorial Park where Michael Jackson's buried among many other famous folk. He said he looked it up online so he made sure he visited certain gravestones and was surprised at how many people he recognised simply because we'd given him a varied and well-rounded education at home, particularly on the subjects we most enjoyed, literature and performing arts. Among others, he noted Lon Chaney, the first phantom, Louis L'Amour, a Western author, L. Frank Baum, who wrote The Wizard of Oz, Larry Fine, one of the Three Stooges, Irving Thalberg, founder of 20th Century Fox, Chico Marx, one of the Marx brothers, Andy Gibb, well, we all know him, and Walt Disney. Ditto, I would hope. Then Paris, my school teacher daughter, Skyped me yesterday so we could open her English test together. She got a 96 on her essay and excellent, excellent, excellent on content, organisation and interest. Thanks, Mum, for teaching me, she said, thrilled to bits. Three of my children, thousands of miles apart, but connected by positive thoughts on homeschooling. These are a homeschooling mum's moments to be treasured, and now they're immortalised on Tokenet Radio. Go in and listen to some of my archives. There are lots of sweet memories there. And talking of sweet memories, here are some from Chapter 21 of my homeschool book entitled Where the Wild Things Go. I don't know whether the title applies to the pets I looked after or me. But when I was in my primary school in London, we'd always have a pet in the classroom. In a couple of classrooms, there was a hamster. They're easy to keep clean and nocturnal, so didn't disturb the class with their antics while school was in session. Then there was the guinea pig. A really boring little rodent, but good to stroke and snuffle with. In my top form, the year I was to move from the primary school to the convent next door, if I passed my 11+, plus, we had a white rat. This was a very different kettle of fish simply because it was a rat. And rats, like the mice my mother was terrified of, were, well, vermin.
His long tail made me shudder when we were allowed to hold him, and I was not particularly interested in him. The hamster was my favourite classroom pet, and at the end of school terms, the teacher always asked if someone could take the animal home for the holidays. I was so excited at this prospect that I used all my charms on my parents to be that person since I lived just around the corner. The first class pet I was given permission to watch was the guinea pig from our second year room. I was eight and brought him home in his cage with all the food I'd need for the two-week holiday. And my mother unceremoniously relegated him to the bathroom, where he sat on the washing machine and grew lonely, except when she was in there doing her daily laundry. She taught him constantly, despite the fact that he was supposed to be nocturnal. He seemed to be social and listen, would listen to her attentively from behind closed bars. He chatted to her and emit high-pitched squeaks every time she shook the sheets and they snapped crisply in the air as she folded them in preparation for the ringer. Since he was in the bathroom, he was pretty much ignored by the rest of the family. Out of sight, out of mind. It really didn't occur to me to pop along to the smallest room in the house to play with Guinea. The only interaction I had with him was when I cleaned out his living quarters several times a day. He'd wake up with a start and a snort. He was a pig, after all. And when I unbolted his door, then he'd stretch the length of his sparse living quarters and sniff my fingers for treats. After a few times, I was able to roll the newspaper from under him and replace a clean sheet without even having to get him out of the cage. Poor Guinea wasn't loved and nurtured very well under my care. The next pet I brought home came for the six-week summer holiday the following year when I was a mature 10. He was a hamster and much more interesting, especially when I managed to break him of his nocturnal habits and stay up all day. We took him to our caravan in Birchington, Kent, for two weeks, and for the rest of the time I was allowed to keep him in my bedroom at home where I spent much more time than in the bathroom. He was ex as exciting as a little pet could be, and I played with him all summer, taking him with me everywhere safely cupped in one or both of my hands. He tolerated being thrown up gently like a ball and landing just as gently in my hands. He enjoyed running up the inside of my jumper sleeve, around my back and down the other side. He even had a go running underneath the living room large rug but got stuck in the middle with the sheer weight and almost crushed to death we had adventures outside in the garden too he could scale a five foot wall and then leap from it into the flower beds gently assisted by me he was good at keeping still when wrapped firmly in a scarf and laid in a small grave dug by his personal grave digger when my brother and i played morbid games about funerals Eventually, he exerted his four-legged right to freedom and made a dash for it under the garden fence during one of our morning manoeuvres, never to be seen again. My father had to replace him before the start of term, and I thought my lack of responsibility would dictate my never being allowed to bring another class animal home again, but I was surprised. The next hamster enjoyed much the same exciting life as its predecessor, with many a thrill. My brother and I were obsessed by circus acts during this period, and we used the hamster in a live whirling dervish ride, which had him hurtling through the air in a knee-length sock and landing motionless against the wainscoting of my room. I'll spare you the details. Suffice it to say, his was not an immediate demise. He contracted lockjaw or perhaps a paralysis, which disabled him from being able to take in food or water, except through a pipette. He was dead before school went back, so my father had to fork out another 50p for a replacement. And there endeth for the moment my excerpt. Uh, before I go on a break, I want to um, introduce you to my guest, who is Mike Donnelly from HSLDA. And Mike and I have been regular 
chatters on on the show for about this is probably his sixth or seventh visit and um, we've been talking about all kinds of things and today we're going to be talking about um, the government intrusion in our homeschools in and around Europe so um, you'll want to stay for that and also my husband my blue-eyed cowboy had um, shoulder surgery uh, this week actually had on Tuesday so this is day three he actually went and had his dressing change today and um, he's faring fairly well he immersed himself completely in the English culture and took himself by bus um, to have his surgery and um, but we did have to get a taxi to bring him home they wouldn't allow him to go on the bus on the way home but he did manage to go and see Warhorse that night while he was still under the influence of the analgesics but more about that when I come back after these um, few messages. So stay tuned, go get yourself another cup of tea or a cup of coffee or whatever it is you're drinking and I'll be right back with Mike Donnelly from HSLDA. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. It's time to capture the simple piece of the Amish in your own life. Amish Wisdom with Suzanne Woods-Fisher. Thursday afternoons at 5, 4 Central. Each week, Suzanne will have conversations with guests about living a life that incorporates principles of the Amish without going Amish. She'll cover the practical, simplicity, slowing down, reducing clutter, putting the brakes on materialism, the historical, how have the Amish survived for 400 years, how can we hold on to what we hold dear, and the spiritual, treasuring important values, honoring the past, and increasing peace of mind. You don't have to become Amish to make personal peace a reality. Amish wisdom will help all of us live a simpler life. For more information, go to SuzanneWoodsFisher.com. With Amish wisdom, Suzanne offers us a glimpse into a world of peace, serenity, and total commitment to family and God. This show just might change the way you live your life. It's Amish wisdom with Suzanne Woods Fisher. Thursday afternoons at 5, 4 Central on Toginet.com. I am not the woman I used to be. I'm free with Minister Diane Jones. Monday nights at 10, 9 Central on Toginet. This is your chance, ladies, to hear stories of hope and healing from someone who's been there. Someone who has fought back from the horrors of incest. Minister Diane's innocence was stolen from her in the land of alcoholism and mental illness, which led to her being emotionally, physically, and sexually abused by her parents. Yet in spite of this trauma, she has gone on to become a successful wife, mother, registered nurse, and minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not the woman I used to be. I'm free is a straight-up show to enlighten you and to lighten your load. Do not let the weight of this world or the things that have happened to you control your life. For more on the show and Diane and her book, The Story of Me, email her directly from her show page here on Toginet. Then, join us for I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm free with Minister Diane Jones. Monday nights at 10, 9 central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. All right, 
Well, my guest this week is Mike Donnelly, who serves as staff attorney and director of international relations for the Homeschool Legal Defense Association. And I'm not going to go into a huge, long discourse about what Mike um, does, what his job entails, because we don't have an awful long time today. And um, I just want to get straight into my conversation with Mike, and then maybe I can um, build him up and extol all his virtues when he's offered his meetings. Welcome, Mike. <laughs> Hi, Vivian. It's great to be with you. you, you it, um, would, it would not take very long for you to extol my virtues. <laughs> oh, well, you don't know. You don't know. Uh, no, I think it, I think it would. Um, but thank you anyway. And um, thanks for joining me. I know, I know you're really, really busy. And um, there, are, there are quite a few things that we want to talk about. But I think the most important thing right now, and that's sort of in the news, is um, the threat that is posed to homeschoolers by the Alberta Human Rights Act and what is going on in Canada. Can you give us a little brief um, overview? I can. The Alberta uh, Parliament is looking at uh, changing their definition of, of well, not cha- well, is, is looking at changing their Education Act to apply to homeschoolers and to uh, require homeschoolers in Canada to um, incorporate within uh, their teaching. Um, by incorporating the definition of homeschooling into what is education in Alberta, uh, the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms and the Alberta Human Rights Act, which includes some, you know, for some people, pretty objectionable material regarding, um, you know, alternative lifestyles, sexual, sexuality, sexual orientation, religion, uh, these kinds of things. And, and, but, you know, regardless of the content, the issue here really is about the intrusion of the government into the content of home education programs uh, in Canada, in Alberta. And uh, this is particularly concerning in light of a recent Canadian Supreme Court decision, which didn't deal with the merits of a, of a religious freedom issue, but you know, sort of signaled that they were less tolerant of, of uh, you know, religious freedom. And, uh, and so this parliamentary act is pending. Uh, it's getting a lot of attention from homeschoolers in Alberta who are getting very involved in trying to influence the legislators in Alberta. Uh, to to change the act back to the way it was, or so that it will not include private education or home education, uh, as these ought to be left alone by the government in that regard. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what's mm-hmm. going on. And so, what's happening is so what is being taught in the schools um, where people who don't choose to homeschool their children, or even the private school, but what is going on in, in I don't know if they call them public schools there. So what is being taught there, they're going to try and make it mandatory to be taught across the board, whether you're in a private school or at home school. Is that right? Basically, yeah, basically that's right. I mean, the, you know, the, the Ministry of Education said that, says this, um, the spokesman said on February 23rd, whatever the nature of schooling, homeschool, private school, Catholic school, we do not tolerate disrespect for differences. You can affirm the family's ideology in your family life, you just can't do it as part of your educational study and instruction. So what they're trying to say is we, the state, get to tell you, the parent, what you can teach during the time that you're quote-unquote teaching, because really teaching is just a state function, and so anytime you're doing teaching, you're just a state employee, and we get to order you around. That's a fundamental um, you know, frankly, it's perverse, uh, mm. you know, when you look at what uh, the nature of the state is with respect to the role of parents and children. Uh, you know, this, this 
ideology that is communicated by this Ministry of Education spokesperson says something that is completely at odds with how we see things down here in the United States and how, frankly, I think, you know, the you know, human rights looks at the relationship between the state and parents, which is that children are not the creature of the state, that children are born into families, parents have the fundamental human right to determine how children are educated, what their children learn, uh, and that it is not the, the government's business to, beyond minimum reasonable standards, uh, have anything to do with private education. Okay, so you said you said dis- disrespect, sorry, disrespect for differences? That's what she said. What she yeah, said? the Minister of she Education said, says said. that we will not tolerate disrespect for differences. So we will not tolerate intolerance is what they're saying, right? And so, you know, so in being tolerant in that respect, they're being intolerant. So they're saying there are things we won't tolerate, we're intolerant of. But I mean, that's that's just almost, (laughs) oh, it's silly, isn't it? It's it's, it's incredibly silly. It's ridiculous. I mean, you know, we, we live in the West. We live in a free country. Canada is supposed to be a free country. And yeah. you know we have to tolerate we have to tolerate disrespect for differences because some people think that uh, some people are wrong and you know what we have to be able to say those things we have to be able to discuss these things uh, in our society you know we can do it we you know we want to do it in a way that's as civil as possible but even where it's not done civilly we have free speech rights and yeah. freedom of speech means you get to say what you want and that means that you get to say things that other people may not disagree with and they may think is disrespectful to them. Well, yeah. that's that's part of living in a free society, folks. Yeah, and also we can jump straight to Sweden on that because um, Lotta Edholm, L- Lotta oh, yeah. Edholm, Edholm, she's the leader of Sweden's Liberal Party. She's she one said of the that leaders. Homeschooling, yeah. or she claims that homeschooling is at odds with democracy, <laughs> yeah. and, and and that everybody should all all children should be educated. At, in a school, well, that's somebody else as well who believes that, who's from America. But, um, you know, and, and I'm thinking, okay, well, what if the tables were turned and everybody was told, well, you know, if you send your child to a school and don't keep them at home with you and exercise your parental, you know, rights and God-given rights to be a parent to your child instead of going out to work and sending them to daycare and sending them to school, how would – I mean, that, that, that wouldn't be right either, would it? And, and they're putting themselves in a position where people can look at them and say, you're telling me I can't homeschool and that I, my child will be taken away from me if I refuse to send that child to school. And yet if the tables were turned, how would you feel? How, how can people do that, not look on both sides? Well, you know, it's interesting to see how they are blinded by their ideology. Um, we have been asking people to write letters to the Swedish ambassador in America to communicate our uh, disappointment with the way Sweden is handling the issue of homeschooling and freedom. And uh, a, a, a member of Congress actually wrote a letter to to the senator, to the ambassador, and got a response back. And it's not different at all from the way the embassy has been responding to uh, our members who have been writing them and, and the responses that we've been getting from our members who have been sending them to us. And basically, this is interesting. I, I, I want to tell you what they said. They said that Sweden believes in defending the rights of the child. And as a signatory to the U.N. Convention on the Rights of the Child, 
Sweden offers strong legal protection of the rights of the child. Okay, that's fine so far. All children in Sweden have the right to education, which is what the UN Convention says. And then they, here's where they go awry. And they say that the Convention says, on the same terms and high-quality instruction. And we find that compulsory schooling is a way to guarantee that this right is fulfilled for all children. Okay, so, you know, what they're doing is saying, well, you know, we have to require schooling, and, and the, you know, that's okay. I mean, the state can require that children be educated, but the problem is that you can't require people to go to a public government school. Mm-hmm. Parents have a fundamental human right under customary international law, under whatever definition of human rights you want to look at, to decide before the state where their kids go to school and how their kids are educated. And there's a lot of good reasons for that, and all you have to do is look at Nazi Germany, or other situations where, you know, the state has inserted itself into requiring only one form of education to see what happens when the state exercises totalitarian power over education. And that's what's happening in Canada. It's what's happening in Sweden. It's what's happened in Germany, where they do not tolerate differences, pluralism in education, freedom in education to allow parents to make those fundamental decisions about how children learn the values that they're exposed to the faith that they're exposed to and what you end up uh having is a totalitarian system that's um you know that continues on because the government has decreed it yes well um hitler very famously said if you want to control the nation control the youth yes he First, did you know yes he did get, and you know and look the, what happened there and uh you mm, know it's 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 concerning. I don't like to talk a lot about Hitler in Germany because you know Germany is is not the Germany of of the 30s. Obviously, it's it's you know it's a free country, um, a lot of liberty, uh, you know, freedom there for people to enjoy a lot. Although in some areas like homeschooling, not so. And so I think it's important that you know we have this discussion at the international level about what is this human right because it's under attack, folks. It's under attack. Uh, you know, in, in the United Kingdom a uh, year or two ago, it was under attack. Uh, you know, there are a lot of places where there are forces that want to control children that see the homeschooling movement growing, and they see that as a threat to their agenda to control what people think. And they know that, as Hitler knew, in order to control the future of society, you've got to get your hands on the fundamental educational institutions and control them. And that's what this is well, all it sounds about. To me, yeah, it sounds to me this is exactly what Sweden and Alberta are trying to do. But, you know, in Sweden, though, the people are encouraged to think independently and initiative is they encouraged. Are? So th- that's what I read. So, well, I know you go. They are. I'm, I'm reading it and I'm thinking. Where did you find that? Oh, it was on. Um, it was like a government paper. Really? Uh, I'd like was, to see that. Yeah. Yeah, that was talking about um, education. It was talking about their their um, um, Ministry of Education. We have those government papers here in England, the little orange papers, and you, you, they tell you everything that you need to know about everything. And uh-huh. I went on and I found this in Sweden. I, I can send you the link. I'll go back I'd and love find it. it. Please do. And it was really interesting. I thought they're encouraging their people to think independently and have initiative, and yet they want everybody to go into a school that's being taught by certain kinds of teachers and they don't want anybody to think outside the box. I mean, it's such a... Um, a well, it's pure hypocrisy. Oh, yes, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And, you know, Mike, we're coming to the end of our time, so let me just say that 
people need to go on to hslda.org. From there, because I've, I've gone around the, the site, you can get to just about everywhere. You can get to um, per, well, parental rights um, org as well and there are petitions there that we can that my listeners can go on and you can sign them and um that's it thank you so much for joining me the um this morning really quickly and we'll just have to talk again thank you i look forward to it vivian thank you so much you're welcome so um before we go on our break um remember go to hslda.org and you go sign that um, parental rights.org petition so that we can have freedom of homeschool in America and the world. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Information is power, the power to change your life. So be here for Education to Excellence. Some of the most valuable information you may ever receive will be shared with you 7 p.m. Eastern every Tuesday night with Education to Excellence with your host, Bruce Beichman. You'll benefit from insightful shows featuring guests that are proven experts in their field. Little-known facts on how to improve your health by making one very simple change in your morning routine. If you're a high school graduate or working adult and a bachelor's, master's, or doctorate degree from an accredited college would change your life, you won't want to miss this. Education to Excellence. Shift your career into high gear without ever attending a traditional college class. Learn investment strategies from proven experts who have a track record of helping normal individuals build abnormal wealth. Check out their website, education2excellence.com. Then join us for the show, Education to Excellence, with your host, Bruce Beichman. Tuesday nights at 7 Eastern, 4 Pacific on toginet.com. Evermore, people have the means to live, but no meaning to live for. These are the words of Dr. Victor Frankel, the inspiration for the movie Victor and I. That's V-I-K-T-O-R and I, movie.com. And Talk Sense Radio, The Meaning Connection, with host Mary Similuka and frequent contributor Alexander Vesley. Friday afternoons at 3, 2 Central on toginet.com. More and more people today are discarding their quest for money, possessions, and things, and are instead beginning a serious quest to find meaning in life. Until now, these discussions were historically in the hands of priests, ministers, and scribes, then to philosophers, psychiatrists, and psychologists. Now, these deep discussions are where they should be, in the hands of individuals, on the air, with you. Talk Sense Radio, The Meaning Connection, with your host, Mary Similuka, and frequent contributor, Alexander Vesley. Friday afternoons at 3, 2 Central, on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Okay, okay. 
a very quick visit with Mike. We'll tell you a little bit more about um, who he is. Uh, who's this guy? Um, he's so, um, staff attorney and director of international relations from the Homeschool Legal Defense Association, which um, every homeschooler is strongly advised to join. It doesn't cost very much. It's $85, I think, a year. And um, they are there for you 24-7 all across the world as a homeschooler. Mike and his wife homeschool their seven children. It is actually a requirement for the lawyers at HSLDA to either, well, to homeschool. I think it's a requirement to homeschool. Some of them have been homeschooled themselves. And he's a frequent speaker and writer on many homeschool-related topics. And um, he is out there to defend both the American and the international right to choose how we educate our children and their convictions to ensure that homeschooling remains a parental choice for all of us. And I didn't get to talk to Mike about this, but, you know, as Americans, we might think, well, why, why, why are we even interested in what's going on overseas? And um, he believes that it's very important that we, um, uh, that we take um, – an interest in what's happening overseas um, because um, when issues occur globally, we can prevent them and we know about them. We can prevent them from gaining traction in America. And actually, there's a very good example of um, something that's happened in America. There's a lady, Martha Albertson Feynman. She's part of the American legal community. And she says, what is right for children is that all children should go to public school. Private schools, including homeschools, should be banned you know, so this is this is somebody in our American legal community saying those kinds of things. So I think as homeschoolers, we need to be very aware of what's going on in the world because, you know, stuff can filter in. And before you know where you are, you go, how did that happen? How come now I'm not allowed to homeschool anymore? And it used to be free 30 or 40 years ago when, you know, I was raising my children. We used to be allowed to do it. So be aware of that and go to hslda.org and find out more. So Mike had to rush off to a meeting. So I'm going to uh, finish with my excerpt from um, my book that I was um, reading um, about me looking after pets from school and about actually the pets that I had when I was growing up. Um, So we managed to um, kill off both the hamsters that I looked after when I was in my primary school. And then luckily we went abroad a few months after the last fatal event. So I never discovered whether I would have been allowed another chance at pet sitting for the school. In Beirut, where we went, we had no dog to excuse my parents from allowing me my own permanent hamster or mouse or guinea pig or fish. But we did become the household to which expats would call on to request permission to deposit their beloved animals for the duration of their annual leave. The dogs came under my parents' purview. I commandeered the smaller specimens of human companionship. First a fish. This was interesting because it is neither warm and cuddly or particularly strokeable, though I did try. Having no idea whether it was a boy or a girl, I found it fairly fairly interesting. He, I genderized it as a boy, recognized the shape of his canister of food and would rush to the surface of his bowl to open his mouth and take in the powdery grains gulp by gulp and then race to the bottom of the bowl to try to catch any morsels that had escaped 
How he eventually distinguished between the grey food and his grey excrement had me baffled, but for the time being, he was fascinating enough to watch encircling the bowl and playing catch. It was when he escaped that he won all the awards. I found him on the kitchen floor one morning, thankfully still flapping around. I gently picked him up, albeit awkwardly, careful not to crush any delicate internal organs. Slippery goldfish are not the easiest to scoop up from the floor, and I plonked him back into his bowl. My father sternly guarding his pennies this time around suggested I didn't fill the bowl quite so full, and I took note. However, Mr. Goldfish seemed to have a penchant for escaping, because again I found him on the floor. Later that day, this, this time, he wasn't in such good shape. I scooped his dead, or so I thought, body up, and rushed to find my mother, who was taking her customary afternoon nap. I don't know how she knew, but she took the fish and gently ran some lukewarm water over its prone body, and it miraculously came back to life. I was amazed and decided to keep watch over this escape artist. I wanted to witness firsthand my fish flying in a death-defying bid for freedom. I carefully carried the bowl into my bedroom where I could keep vigil while reading. After several hours, I saw it start to swim around the bowl until it reached the top and just kind of slithered over the edge onto my desk and plopped straight down to the carpet. No super graceful leap over the side of the bowl, just an accidentally on purpose slide, as if he could feel my eyes on him. I popped him back into the water, clapped a dinner plate on top of his bowl and carried him back into the kitchen. I also looked after a hamster, having become an expert on this little furry creature when I was at primary school. A well-loved and cosseted hamster is distinctly different from the ones cooped up in a cage in a classroom full of disinterested and disengaged schoolchildren. Mischief was a true pet. His mistress told me he was allowed out in the evenings, and she even let him run loose in her bathroom during the day, if that was something we were able to do, and if he was awake. Remember, nocturnal. I was told he was trained to sleep some of the day, but once awake he demanded company by uttering shrill cries and scratching at his cage door, or running furiously in his wheel, which squeaked intentionally, to judge by the way his mistress talked of him, until someone took notice and let him out. He'd snuffle around my hand, looking for a treat and gently nibbling my fingers, then try to rush off the edge of my palm. He apparently had no sense of boundaries. I had to set him down, not wanting to risk brain damage on this well-loved pet whose owner would not be fooled by a 50 pence replacement. He learned the layout of the bathroom pretty quickly and made a home from a home between the sink pedestal and the wall. He'd haul shredded paper from his cage and fill his cheeks with sunflower seeds to set up temporary camp behind the porcelain. I spent lots of time in his company in this smallest room in the flat, and he knew when evening was descending and he was allowed into the larger space. I don't know how he sensed it, but come five o'clock each night, he'd rush the bathroom door on my heels to arrive safely in the living room, where he'd entertain us by chasing little hazelnuts around the carpet and dashing behind the floor-length curtains, only to reappear when someone called his name, and sit in the middle of the room on his haunches looking around to see who called. He wasn't very brave. He met a large insect on the carpet once heading determinedly in his direction, and mischief turned and fled. At night, he'd sleep fitfully in my room in his cage. He had a habit of moving his bed around, and I'd hear him scurrying from one side of his domicile to the other, taking a detour on his squeaky wheel every now and again. A diligent little fellow. When his mistress returned, we were all sad to lose him. In our cries of farewell, mischief, come back soon, there was a sigh of relief that he was the original hamster that we'd been entrusted with. 
So next week or the next time I get to my book, we'll talk about other wild animals that I had to look after in my homeschool. Remember, the snakes weren't wild. They were actually pets. Right. Well, if you remember last year, we had riots in the city and um, they didn't really affect us in our small town here in Beckenham. Well, a little bit. I mean, you know, they closed the high street a bit. But um, I was thinking about that and I thought um, that I would take a closer look at parental responsibility. Mike and I were just talking about parental responsibility. And I think sometimes in England and sometimes maybe in other countries too, um, parental responsibility is taken a little bit lightly. So, if you hit me, it's a physical assault. And if you shout at me, it's called verbal abuse. Let's hope we don't ever hear these words coming out of the mouths of our young homeschool children. But parents around England are lamenting that their children are saying as much to them. English parents are blaming society for tying their hands as far as being allowed to act as responsible parents. They're being cautioned against discipline and their children run riot, literally, unfortunately, because society is on their side and their parents are powerless. One father who spoke to a reporter for the Sunday Express shortly after the riot said of his convicted 16-year-old daughter, she comes and goes. What can I do about it? She gets caught up in bad company. If it was up to me, she wouldn't have been out there. The police picked her up at three o'clock in the morning with a stolen iPad in her bag. So who was it up to if it wasn't up to him to make sure she was safely at home at that hour of the morning? What makes parents hide behind society? What makes them lay blame at the feet of the government and culture when their children run amok? We say the young generation are not being brought up to accept consequences and take responsibility. And I ask, from whom are they learning this behaviour? We homeschoolers aren't immune to the worldliness of society, but by the very nature of keeping our children at home with us, we put ourselves in a position of responsibility for our precious charges until they're of age and maturity to go it alone, which for some is later rather than sooner. We endeavour to instil a strong moral ethic by example, direct teaching and disciplining. Let's not shudder at that D word discipline. Today it may be speak of harsh punishments and reprimands that could teach on the abusive, which is not where we want to go in raising our children, but it has its roots in the latter, Latin, discipulus, meaning disciple or follower. Jesus disciplined his friends by setting a good example, by walking in a way that was admirable and beyond reproach in a way that others wanted to ape. There was no bullying involved, no belittling or intimidation, but gentle encouragement and lots of choice. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't make a deliberate choice to do the opposite of someone I respected and admired. So I'm drawn to ask parents, do your children respect and admire you? Are you setting an all-round example that they will want to follow? Are you being a strong role model? Research has shown that good, consistent and present role modelling is a contributing factor to young men and women making the positive choice to stay away from gang culture. Another reader of the Sunday Express submitted this comment. I blame the people who have created the society in which any discipline is against human rights or an individual's freedom. A civilised society lives by rules and the rules have to be rigidly enforced. And he's speaking about the lame reaction of the Metropolitan Police during the looting. No rigid enforcement of the law could be extracted because of human rights and freedoms. 
Whose rights and freedoms are we talking about exactly here? The innocent citizen who pays taxes for protection or the young people on a rampage just because? We all witnessed the answer to that one. The upholding of human rights that in this instance resulted in mayhem on the streets as young people experienced hands-on proof that they were above the law and their human rights trumped the police force at every turn. These were not riots as we baby boomers understand the word. There was no pursuit for a cause going on in the streets last week. Just a hankering for stolen goods, sweets and sodas, as well as electronic items and trainers. What happened was a thumbing of the nose to authority, a spat of mindless sprees of robbing and vandalism. And it looks as though we're going to have to go on a break. So come back and I will be with you in about 90 seconds. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Girlfriended is on Toginet. Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, with your hosts, Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan. This show is your chance to share, learn, laugh, and connect with other women. The Girlfriended principle was born out of loss. Lisa had recently had her mother pass away from cancer, and my mom um, was murdered. A man just walking into a room and started a 23-second shooting spree. I think one of the things we both realized going through those tragedies is that you can be extremely okay and be extremely sad. Check out Girlfriended.com. And then be a part of Girlfriended, the radio show, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. You know, your boyfriend or, or your husband or whatever, they don't totally understand that emotional side to a woman like another woman does. And I think that's so important just to have somebody that you go, she gets me. Check out the website, girlfriended.com. Don't miss Girlfriended with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Ready for the most current feel-good gossip? Then check out Daytime with Donna with your host, Donna Intracastle and sidekick Nina Fry. Every Friday afternoon at 2, 1 central on toginet.com. Donna is a charismatic market-driven entrepreneur who was part of the team that founded iVillage.com, which is the largest content-driven community for women today. Donna and Nina are here to empower you, motivate you, and encourage you in all aspects of your life. It's like Oprah on the radio. Plus, your chance to win great prizes, all the way up to a $500 Visa gift card. For more on Donna Intracasso, check out her website, introinc.com. Then join us for the show, Daytime with Donna, with your host, Donna Intracasso, and sidekick Nina Fry. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. So I'm just, I'm just going to finish my little thing about um, how I feel about um, what parents are doing with their kids today, especially uh, you notice it much more here in England because we're actually on the ground with a lot of people because we do a lot of walking and traveling by public transport. But during the riots, there was such a lack of moral fiber 
And it wasn't just the poor. Some of the looters were millionaires' children. It was in the papers who enjoyed perfectly privileged upbringings but obviously were lacking in parental guidance. Where were the parents? Responsible parents know that life is tough and that by endorsing discipline and instructing their children to recognise and respect the difference between right and wrong won't win the many points in the popularity stakes. But, hey, I'm not a parent to be popular. You know, you just can't do that with your children, but it will win them a future generation with a strong moral compass. So what makes an irresponsible parent like the father I mentioned earlier, the one who had his 16-year-old was out there at 3 o'clock in the morning? Are their children steamrollering them? Is peer pressure too powerful a weapon to withstand? Is being popular with their children compromising their stewardship of parenthood? Are threats from society, the government, and culture blurring the ethical boundaries beyond which they should not venture? Well, the finger is being firmly pointed outside the family at the government for making spanking and proper school disciplining illegal. I'm telling you, it's happening here. We know as responsible parents that the government is not the family. Spanking and verbal abuse are not the only ways to instill moral and ethical behavior. Blaming others is an easy way to get off the hook. The father I opened with said of his daughter, if it was up to me, she wouldn't have been out there. Well, who is it up to if it's not up to him? Who are we giving the power of parenting to? How much are we entrusting to others when it comes to ours? Go to parentalrights.org and re-establish your God-given parental rights. And that's exactly what Mike was talking about. We don't want to entrust parenting to anyone else except to us. Individuals make up society. As individuals, we need to restore in our children the notion of respect for their elders. We can change society, but not until we, one by one, make the changes ourselves. We don't have to scream and shout, beat to a pulp, or respond coldly and unemotionally to our children. We simply have to show them who's boss. Right. I'm going to talk about my husband's shoulder surgery because he spent eight months getting to this point. So he finally got called. He was on a waiting list and they didn't give him very much time. But what had been going on for eight months now finally came to fruition and he didn't have any time to worry over being put to sleep and succumbing to the knife. I made plans to join him and was going to take my computer and spend the three to six hours in the day surgery clinic in productive work not requiring the internet. My brave wild man came home after his pre-op session and told me my computer was a no-go at the hospital. It wouldn't have been screened so wasn't allowed. I didn't want to be responsible for blowing out anyone's life support system. The nurses had said the waiting room would be crowded, noisy and uncomfortable. Shades of my mother sending my father off in an ambulance alone for surgery loomed and I was worried. I'll bring a book, I told my brave man, and he shook his head. He was being very courageous, I could tell. I did get up with him at five o'clock, though. I couldn't pack a lunch or make him a good calming cup of tea. I helped him pack his backpack and waved a tearful farewell at the front door, leaving him to trudge his way to the bus stop, totally immersed in English culture. He told me he arrived early since no one stopped the bus en route. It was 6.20 a.m. when he called me from the hospital. The the doors to the day surgery didn't open until 6.50 or so. So he waited in the lobby of the Princess Royal University Hospital, nicknamed The Prue, and was the first to check in. Well, at 9.30... 
I called the hospital on the off chance that he'd be finished early and was told he's just gone back and they would ring me. In other words, don't call them. Chastened, I continued tweeting about the wonders of Toginet and my show and was rung at 11.10 to say he was ready for pickup, like a parcel. The nurse told me to come by bus because it was cheaper and there was no hurry and that she'd book me a taxi as soon as I arrived. And I arrived at 11.50. Hair now dry from being outside, I'd rushed to my blue-eyed cowboy's side without a thought to my appearance. It didn't matter. He was analgesicked up and thought the world looked beautiful. We arrived home and had a belated breakfast, and then he was awake and busy. This was the evening we went to see Warhorse. I have to admit, I admired his stamina and the fact that he was able to come round so fast, but by 11.40 at night when we were walking home, he was flagging like the Warhorse we'd just been to see, and he was glad to get into bed. But now he's suffering. All the anesthesia and analgesics have worn off, and real pain has set in. His right arm is immobilized and he went for a dressing change this morning another long bus ride so far so good he tells me that the attentiveness of the nurses and doctors was impeccable he did have a large black asterisk on the back of his right hand so that the doctor operated on the correct shoulder that kind of makes you think what? what but apart from that cautionary scare all is well and we have parakeets in our garden. I think I've told you about them before. We're getting some really good close-ups of them. We've got the binoculars out and they're bright green. They have orange beaks. And they're proclaiming springtime in the fallen willow tree. My handsome cowboy keeps saying she's got her fish fishnet stockings on again or oops, there goes the sign in her window. It's funny to watch birds sidling up to her along a branch and then giving each other love pecks. The beaks are what would bother me as a feathered friend. What with the spring flowers adding colour, the blossom budding and warm air a-breezing. I feel as though we survived a winter in London without too many hardships. But March has only just begun. Anything could happen. Yesterday was beautiful. We sat outside, well I sat outside all morning and worked at my computer and then we sat outside and had our afternoon tea in the afternoon and it was lovely. We were just in shirt sleeves but today it's very cold and misty and a little bit cloudy. So, yeah, it's March. The weather changes a lot. And I've been tweeting a lot. I don't know if anybody tweets out there. And in order to be productive, I've had to start listening to my archival shows. I have over a 100 of them. My southern gentleman and I are sharing the task and enjoying all the guests I've had thus far. At first, though, I have to listen back. back When I first knew that I had to go back and listen to my shows... I cringed, but for the most part, I'm able to relax and quite enjoy the conversations, actually. Um, and I've had so many diverse people on my show. I take notes and quotes from the guests, and then I craft them into headlines. A tweet can only be 140 characters long, so the process appeals to the poet in me. Then I have to add in a link to the show, and then I tweet it. I try to do 10 headlines per show, and now that I have a few under my belt, I can mix them up, so I'm not tweeting about the same show 10 times in a row. I've also discovered a way to schedule my treat tweets, treat tweets. So when I really become streamlined, I can spend an hour or two once a week creating and sending out a week's worth of short messages. I've also discovered that waiting until later in the day doesn't work well. Because I'm in England, there's definitely a difference on the speed with which the internet can be expected to function once America wakes up. It's amazing, this 
I find if I pop on at 8 a.m. my time, which is like 2 a.m. in America, uh, for the most part, America is soundly asleep and no other country has the same impact. Once 2 o'clock in the afternoon creeps around, which is about 8 o'clock in the morning for Texas, like what, 7 for New York, everything slows down. It's amazing. I mean, it's true. I get little messages from Twitter saying, sorry, there are too many people signed on. You'll have to wait before you can get on. I'm going, oh, I'd forgotten America's America's wide awake right now. And, um, you know, the rest of the world doesn't have the same impact. And my son, my younger son, I said to him, all of my kids have got Twitter accounts. And I said to my younger son, do you have a Twitter? And he said, no, mum, I don't approve. I don't think people need to know what you're doing every minute of the day. So he's getting me back when he first wanted to Facebook. So here I am doing something that he doesn't approve of. And our oldest son moved back to the homestead after he returned from L.A. He's taken over the two bedrooms downstairs, he says, and I don't know where his furniture has gone. But I do know that we cleaned out every cupboard and room on our departure, so there should be plenty of space for him. I'm glad Simon will have some company. Maybe he'll be encouraged to stay at home more. But on the other hand, maybe it'll give him less of an excuse to be a temporary homeowner since his older brother is there now, taking on the responsibility as older brothers tend to do. But I'm glad they're together anyway. And Malia's coming home next weekend. Well, she's not off. She's performing at Move It in the huge dance event I mentioned last week. But she'll be able to enjoy some evenings with us and some home cooking. We're going to take her to see The Lady Killers on Saturday, which is apparently funny and excellent. It'll be her second non-musical in the West End. The first was War Horse, which we saw this week with my my brave, brave cowboy and his sore arm. I don't know how much any of you know about the play, but the puppetry is absolutely amazing. There are two life-size puppet horses on stage and their movements are so lifelike, I forgot they weren't real. The puppets are raved about and their craftsmanship is to be lauded. A company out of South Africa called Handspring Puppets created them. But I think the puppeteers were the most talented. They had to work out the mechanics and make sure they got the horse movements and sounds just right. Every tail flick, every mane shape was very carefully choreographed. And there were three people per horse. And when it neighed or snorted, each person seemed to take a different tone. And when it was all put together, the realistic neigh or whinny was impressive. I haven't seen the film and I don't know if I want to now. But I'm guessing since I know myself so well that I'll read the book. One of our friends went to New York last week and he saw the show too. It's funny how it's performing on two stages across the world. Anyway, fantastic. If it ever comes to the um, more regional theatres, you need to go see it. And that's it for another week. I love these hours with you. This weekend, we're going to go to the City Cathedral for Mass as our choir is taking the day off. I don't know. We'll either go to St. Paul's or to Westminster Abbey. I think we may get out of the city and visit a pretty town on one of the weekend days, like um, maybe we'll go to Hampton Court. I'll let you know. Have a happy birthday, Simon. Tomorrow, I know your friends and brother have great plans for you. So I'll take my leave for another week. I'll be here, same time, same place next week. So without further ado, I'll say thanks to my handsome, brave husband who believes in love at first sight. Our four children who are the result of that 
belief. I miss you four in Texas, the hardworking staff at Toginet Radio, my guest Mike Donnelly, and you, my faithful listeners, especially Anne in Lindell, Hannah, Tina, Rosemary, and many others who are part of my growing audience. Don't forget to listen to my friend Sandy Fowler of Heartfilled Holidays. And I'll be back next week. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord show you his kindness and have mercy on you. May the Lord watch over you and give you peace. Doop, doop, doop. Thank you for joining us for the Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney on Togi.